It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you are tuning in today. We are continuing in our study of Matthew chapter 16, specifically verses 24 to 26, as we're examining some very heavy text about the principles of discipleship. Now, this comes with our thematic thread as we've been examining these radical teachings of Jesus. Over the past few months, we've really looked at much of the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll come back to some of those as well. And here we're now talking about discipleship. This was quite radical even then, not the concept of discipleship, but how the Lord was calling them out to be separated from the world, in the world, but not of it to be different, to represent a better kingdom and a sovereign, holy king. And in this, they were to be representative of him, doing as he did, speaking as he spoke, serving in the way that would set them apart, distinguished amongst all of the peoples that they represent something different. There is something else going on inside them. They would become temples of the Holy Spirit after all. So this, of course, would be radical, setting them apart from this world that is driven by the lusts of the flesh. But we are to be no longer driven by such things, but rather by the thoughts of our Lord, by his many instructions, especially throughout the New Testament. We can look at these and go, there are over 1,200 various commands throughout the New Testament, but these become a byproduct of the transforming work, the sanctifying work of Jesus Christ in and through us. So yes, it will be very radical in its initial receipt as we receive these instructions. It will seem so far out from what we come to know or think because our thinking is skewed, our thinking is broken, and he has to give us a new way of thinking, a new paradigm, but not just from a mental capacity, but from an inward transformation of the whole individual as they are are shaped and formed in the image of Jesus Christ to represent him well. So these are the principles of discipleship that we're going through here this week and perhaps over the next couple weeks. So to help me do that, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, always good to have you on Engage in Truth, my friend. Thank you, John. You're so right. The counterintuitive nature of these, and I often wonder how people would have heard these things in Jesus' day. I mean, hearing these things really for the first time, you must lose your life to save it. If you want to become the greatest, you must become the least. I mean, absolutely, completely counterintuitive. I think really to any culture at any time in human history, it's so counter, as you said, to our natures. That's right. Win by losing. Definitely. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we Mm -hmm. just, we kind of tilt. We're like, what? (laughs) Did I hear (laughs) that right? right? You know, but as you also said, only through the power of the Holy Spirit, is any of this possible? Does does any of this really make sense um, to really be able to access the things that the Lord has for us and the freedom that he has for us by letting the spirit take over and then trying to uh, follow that and live our lives in this sort of counterintuitive fashion? That's right. If the Lord says that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness, right. Uh, our yeah, body will scream. Thirst. Yeah, yeah. Our, our body screams. I want something to eat today. Right, right. But rather, he's saying what the spirit needs, the soul of the man needs, is far more important than what the body Amen. demands of you. And you suddenly realize just how materialistic we think because we're feeding this materialistic thought process of a 
fleshly vessel. Right. It's it's the flesh that tends to dominate the way we think today. That's right. Everything revolves around our rest patterns, how we consume food, how we consume entertainment, how we engage with other people. It's a very physical world or so it seems. And what the Lord draws our attention to is you're more spiritual than physical. It's time you think that way. It's That's time right. you understand that, right. that if you needed to fast for 40 days, it could be done. Yeah. I can strengthen you for something greater than what you think that you're capable of doing Amen. because you're so finite in your understanding. Now, right. now, granted, the Lord Jesus demonstrated all of this perfectly, but we see with Moses as he spent time with God on Mount Sinai, I don't know that he was really focused on how many sandwiches do I need to bring up with me today? <laughs> right. No, I'm going to meet with God. Yeah, whoa, the yeah. food will take care of itself in the presence of God, understanding the right reality that's right. in these circumstances. And that's really what we're trying to get to here, not a, trying to get to some metaphysical level here, but an understanding that what God is doing through the powerful words of Jesus Christ is to fundamentally transform how we perceive reality, right. that if we have the right reality, if we have the right plumb line before us, everything will be changed in how we operate in and through this world, how we represent him in all of our spheres of influence. It won't be just something that we add on to the end of our week going to church on Sunday, right. but a fundamental transformation of how we live, breathe, and serve in the finite time that we have, the short brevity of life that we have becomes all about glorifying him. And then suddenly when we're on the other side of eternity in this matter, I don't want anybody to have regrets going, I wish I'd used those 80 years more effectively for his glorious kingdom. Because once we see it, I don't want anybody to have any regrets. Not that we will. We don't read that. There's no regrets there. We're going to be basking in the goodness of Jesus Christ. But yeah. I say that with a, a, a secular mindset, perhaps, to help our, our little finite goo between our ears understand <laughs> all of this, that when we start to think about things in the measure of eternity, don't waste a breath. It is a vapor. We are here today, gone tomorrow. Maximize every moment to the glory of the Lord. That's a principle of discipleship that we can adhere to today as we examine this powerful text. Yeah, that's what I love is Paul put in Galatians 2.20 that he's been crucified with Christ and it's no longer he that lives, but Christ who lives in him. I mean, to me, that concept really encompasses exactly what you're saying. I no longer live. You know, I live, mm-hmm. I live for the things that Jesus Christ longs to do in this world. That's what I live for, Amen. you know, for my Lord and Savior. Well, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to read a scripture today to get to really kind of kick us off today. Matthew mm-hmm. sixteen twenty four. It reads, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Mm. And that is the key verse That's here. Right. We covered That's some of that last about. week. In fact, uh, we've really started just to dive into some of those end principles here and looking at even going back to Matthew chapter 8, where we see individuals, and this is just one key instance of this, where individuals who were still thinking in a, a, a physical understanding of all things, of, of the illusion of power, uh, sustaining flesh, the desires of this earth and anything that it would offer, a wannabe comes along and declares to Jesus that he's willing to follow Jesus wherever he goes, but the Lord, knowing his heart, tells him in Matthew 8, verse 20, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Again, that is, if we really examine that text for what it's saying, I think it's so profound there that he came so mission-focused. It was not about how many possessions he could amass in this earth at all. 
Uh, we talk about those temporal treasures. We've spent a great deal of time on this program about that. Uh, but here, what a paradigm shift. I want you to be so mission-minded, you're not even concerned about the clothing on your own back. I will give you what you need. You need not be anxious for anything. Don't worry about such matters. If you truly want to follow me, you must learn to take up your cross and follow me. And of course, with the backdrop of what they'd seen in Galilee of many who had been crucified, thousands who had been crucified, uh, this was not unfamiliar territory. This was not just simply uh, uh, you know, being willing to sacrifice a little. This is meaning you need to be willing to give up your very life for this cause. And that's the type of dedication and devotion we need to have. I, I find it frustrating as a pastor with perhaps the Western mindset of Christianity. We've often talked about the persecuted church and what they're willing to go through to not forsake the assembly of the brethren on a Sunday morning or whenever they're meeting during that week, and the labor that goes into that because their allegiance is so true so undefiled, it doesn't matter if it could cost them their life that day to gather in the presence of the Lord, to which we can say, why don't they just watch it online? Why take on the risk? Again, this is, that's not the issue. The issue here is the demonstration of obedience. They are willing to be uh, inconvenienced, if you will, from the creature pleasures and comforts and security and the illusion of such to fully dedicate their lives, even demonstrating that I'm willing to go into uh, enemy-occupied territory, put my life on the line like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're not going to hide this. We belong to the Lord, and it may cost me everything. And that's not just because it, I might hurt today, but my whole life demonstrates that. I am sacrificing all of these creature comforts for a greater cause that is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Like I said, in our previous episode, we do fight, at least in, I can only speak to our culture. I'm not sure about other cultures, but we do fight that individualism. Like you said, the mm. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way, where <laughs> you know the individualism can actually, can it become a form of idolatry? Really? Mm. I think so. You know, and that's really what puts our needs above the Lord's. Well, you know, I'm just not feeling it today, or I'm going to go ahead and do this day instead of go to church, or instead of read my Bible, or instead of pray. I mean, at the root of that, and the root of individualism in a sense can be, I'm going to be God of my life. That's right. And, and you know, and in a real sense, too, anything that we do in this world that we want to be really good at requires discipline. Right. If I, hours, if I want to learn hours, a new language, I can't just dabble in it every on occasion. Right. You know, maybe once a quarter. I'm not going to be good at that language. If I want to learn a martial art, you're going to be expected right. to uh, strike your comforts and, and actually get into very uncomfortable disciplines. Uh, you'll be tested. Uh, whomever's training you will expect you to be devoted to that training, uh, whether anything, take, take any hobby or, or any sporting activity, you're going to have to sacrifice something for something that you deem is worthy of that sacrifice. But yeah, when it comes to Christianity, well, we just kind of want all of it. We just right. want the best of Christianity, but we want the best of everything the world offers too. <laughs> we really don't know sacrifice like that. And I think that's where we have to to come to this fork in the road and decide, is he really all, is he going to get all of me, everything, my very best? It's not about how much of my money am I giving? How much of my time am I giving? And sort of like mm. whittling off a little percentage here and there. It's It's all of me. That's what the early church represented. Everything I have belongs to him. The very next breath is his. It's all his when I finally understand the root of this, this issue. He says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit 
for the kingdom of God. Now, over a period of two and a half years, as the Lord has been with these men, and I'm so grateful for sometimes how thick they seem to be, even though they've spent all this time with the Lord and the kind of questions they ask. I'm thinking to myself, I may not have even been that astute. I, right. I may have even had more foolish questions to ask. And yet here Same they've here. been with the Lord for two and a half years. And he's talked about sacrifice. He's talked about uh, cost. He's talked about pain and severed relationships and hostility and reproach. He's talked about rejection and willingness to suffer. I mean, all of these things. That's not just simply a, you know, okay, I'll, I'll dabble in following you, Lord. This is all or nothing. You are either with me or not. That's John chapter 6. We talked about that. You consume all of him. It's not just I'm going to have my dessert, which I'll call Jesus, and then have everything else within the world. He wants everything. And the word was that he was preaching was too hard. And it wasn't because they didn't couldn't understand it. It's because what he was expecting of them was far greater than what they were willing to give. And you go back to John chapter 6 on that. So he's been talking about this a lot. Jesus repeats things quite often. (laughs) I praise God that he does. Amen. Um, Perhaps it was just for me because I'm so thick-headed I need to hear these things over and over again. In fact, when you go to Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and you look at the the parousia, the Olivet Discourse, the teaching on the second coming of Jesus Christ, he has to at least five times say that no man will know the day or the hour. And even after reading it five times, we'll still try to predict the day or the hour. That's how foolish we are. So Mm -hmm. likened unto sheep... We often have to hear these things in great repetition. So if you're listening to this program over the past few years, maybe you've already heard a lot in repetition. (laughs) And that's just because we need to hear these things so often. They're so profound. We have to get this right. And I've I've thought about how people who are really good with memory do this. Uh, On September 29th of 2015, Time Magazine actually published a story on how to improve memory It was a fascinating article. Uh, Ed Cook was interviewed, and Mr. Cook is able to memorize the order of a shuffled deck of cards in 45 seconds. Okay, so he's crowned the Grand Master of Memory even in his early 20s, which, by the way, is a title that belongs to less than 200 people in the world. You may be thinking to yourself, I didn't know there was such a title, Grand Master of Memory. Yep, that's right. Less than 200 people in the world have that title. In the article, Mr. Cook shared some of his secrets. He gives like a top five there. But the one that jumped out to me that was often uh, really highlighted within the article was repeat, repeat, repeat. Right? That's why teachers do that so frequently. It's well established that repetition is key to memory. But one innovation called mega drilling has proven especially powerful. According to this technique, listen, you've got to actively recall the memory 30 times, Cook says. So when you meet someone new, you might want to repeat their name 30 times. That's when it will really sink in. And then he goes on to share other strategies, including uh, creating uh, you know, various uh, images, connecting a, a word to a sound or a memory with an object in a room or a place or a situation. He gives some interesting clues there. But I find it interesting that Jesus perfectly times situations and locations with the timing and frequency of his teaching. That's really the perfect methodology and how he's teaching about his perfect plan. And it's one thing to teach a lesson. It's something else to have learned it. And that's why this frequency is so important for us, too, because we just think of almost like this, I don't know, casual country club living for Christianity. I can't imagine what would happen to many of the Christians in America the moment true adversity started to sink in. Uh, We saw some of that in March of 2020. 
when churches were closing up. And even to this day, many pastors will talk about how what is normal that may have looked somewhat normal before then, has it ever really come back? Because something new came out of that, and church is different ever since that. That one event has now changed over the past few years. All of our uh, relational skills and social functions and everything related with church, we think we're past that now. We're not. We're still feeling the fallout of that, even our small church. Yeah, I've heard pastors speak about a certain falling away because uh, people were surprised that they would be here to experience something like COVID. They thought mm. that their their idea of the way things were going to happen in regards to the rapture is that they were going to be gone before anything bad in the world happened. That's and right. uh, yeah, so even just something like something like COVID has created a certain degree, probably like like you're saying, at multiple levels in multiple ways, a certain falling away. That's right. And, and that's why it's so important why the Lord spends so much time, keeps reiterating these issues. He keeps talking about judgment. He keeps talking about repentance. He keeps talking about discipleship. These principles of give me everything. I will take care of you. Yeah. Are you willing to let go of the illusion of control or this illusion of something that matters when all of this is being burned up anyway? And again, we've spent a lot of time on that subject. But we see that repetition for a reason, because we get right back into the sin nature. We fall right back into our default programming. The sin nature rules the day. We get back into our hobbies, back into complacency. Think, well, you know what? I've read the Bible before. I don't really need to read the Bible this week. Don't need to really pray. And suddenly a week goes by and you're back to looking and sounding just like the old man all over again. Didn't even take a week to get there. And so we have to be reminded how quickly we can fall back into these ruts and realize just how weak we really are. And we need that perseverance, that fortitude in our faith to hold us grounded, lest our way of life change tomorrow. I mean, really, that fast. That's how quickly things changed in March of 2020. In one week's notice, everything changed. And it wasn't even a full week for many. Uh, that suddenly everything in your routine had changed. And yet we've still struggled to get back into some form of that routine. Not for all but certainly for many. Yeah. And we're seeing those metrics hitting a lot of churches. So if that one event did that much damage, imagine what could occur. Are we really the people who are totally sold out for Jesus Christ in and through our daily living? This is really an assessment for all of us. Now, ladies, I don't want you to laugh, okay? That is quite a segue here. Ladies, don't laugh at this. Men do think despite misconceptions, okay? We do think about things. But as men, and, I, and I'm just labeling, labeling here a generalization of this, men think about gain without pain, a crown without the cross, glory without the suffering, and reward without the sacrifice. That's why men want muscles without the gym, money without the effort, sex without the marriage, and vacation without the job, right? We always want the path of least resistance. I mean, Peter was thinking a lot like men tend to do that, you know, when, when the Lord Jesus was giving his plan and we see how the Lord speaks to him in Matthew 16, 21 to 23, we're reminded of the plan of God that involved the, the Lord going to the cross. He had, he had to rebuke Satan. He had to put Peter back into his proper place of saying, you're not being mindful of the things of God in this because Peter, like many of us, started to think like other men. It doesn't have to be that way, Lord. You don't have to do that. You don't need to suffer. And here we are reminded by the Lord over and over again that glory comes through suffering. Now, I'm not talking about intending to go out and look for how can I suffer for Jesus today, but understanding that when he says to take up the cross to follow him, 
That's the kind of sacrifice we have to be willing to make. It doesn't mean that he's not going to give us great joy and, and many fruits of our labors. I mean, we see that with Solomon, certainly had many possessions, but the possessions were not what he labored for. They were something that were given to him. There's a difference. That's the idolatry that we were talking about earlier. So there's no other way here because you have to live above reproach, set apart in the midst of an anti-God society without there being struggle to all of this. We find that we're not going to value the sacrifice here. Everything that's uphill is, is worthwhile. I heard John Maxwell talk about that not long ago where he talked about that everything that we need to labor for, everything that comes with a cost, a sacrifice, if you give your child a car, are they going to treat it with the care that they would if they had earned it, if they had worked a little hard? Maybe maybe you did a split deal with them, you know, where you allowed them to, to earn half of it. Uh, we, we see that even in human nature, we understand that when the Lord has given us so much, we can never sacrifice enough to be an equal exchange. We'll never meet him halfway. What Jesus Christ did on the cross, we can never earn back. We can never serve enough to attain or somehow say, hey, we're even, Lord. Right. (laughs) The the gift of heaven, the eternal nature of what he has given us, an inheritance beyond description, we'll never earn that back. So the giving of ourselves as a living sacrifice unto the Lord is something that speaks totally counter to the way of the world where we want something for nothing. We want everything at no cost. We want the fullness of heaven, but no sacrifice in this life where we can just look and breathe and act just like the world and never even be set apart. I mean, that that in and of itself, it has to start there. I mean, if our language is not becoming of a believer, if our entertainment is not becoming of a believer, if we're not uh, saying, hey, we're, we're not going to go to the bar with you today. I mean, if, there, if there's no living that indicates that there's fruit there, that you are truly a transformed life, I don't think it's out of question to say, are you truly transformed? Have you truly taken up the cross to follow him? You see, darkness hates the light. It doesn't just dislike it a little bit. This is a war. We're in a war for the souls of men. We see that in John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. That's why in 2 Timothy 3, 12, he says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not a maybe. It's going to cost you something. But again, this is not because we're trying to exchange anything with Jesus. That's the cost of following Jesus, that we're going to have to be set apart. It might cost you a promotion. It might cost you something that you've been working hard toward. Maybe the vacation isn't as much a priority as the mission trip now. This is the the life of sacrifice that the Lord has called us to. And that just sounds like, well, great. So where's all the fun? You're just telling me I have to, to sacrifice the fun. No, what happens here is when we have the right paradigm of reality, the right paradigm of eternity, and living for that glorious prize in Jesus Christ, if we truly want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, then we have to understand that that comes with a, a cost. We, we have to be willing to count the cost of, of what it took to, to build the building or go, go to war. You, you don't jump into any of these things. You, you contemplate these things, and to follow Christ requires us to contemplate the eternal treasure over that which is temporal. He says, if anyone desires to come after 
me. That's an evangelistic term that means to be a follower of Jesus. That's the truth of what it means to be a Christian. And this is a message to his disciples who will become the apostles who will build the church of Jesus Christ filled with other disciples of Christ, as we see in Matthew 28, 19. So this is the wake-up call, if you will, to a sleepy church that has forgotten its first love and has become apathetic in its commitment to Christ to represent him in all situations, according to 2 Corinthians 5.20. We need an attitude adjustment. The attitude of the follower of Jesus is self-denial, cross-bearing, and loyal obedience. And so, Dr. Ford, over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to have to look at what all of those are. Self-denial, cross-bearing, loyal obedience. What is it that Jesus seeks of his followers? Why, why is it that we don't see these things being modeled, perhaps preached as they should, when discipleship is so critical to the way of the Christian living? And that's what we want to go through over these next few weeks. I want to thank you again for listening to Engage in Truth. This, this time just goes by so quickly. And I want to thank you for a commitment week in and week out to listen. If you've missed any of the prior broadcasts, you can go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. If you're looking for a church to go deeper in God's Word together with other believers, come and check us out. Again, services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday, 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. each and every Sunday. And we have meetings all throughout the week. We'd love to worship God with you. Again, learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends. Take care. Take care.